watching my fellow Americans with your host, Spike Cohen. Hey, thank you. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Yes. Yes, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm clapping for you. Keep clapping. Clap for the miracle. How would we know you want the miracle if you didn't keep clapping? Welcome, my fellow Americans. I am literally Spike Cohen. Thank you for joining me on this Wednesday, February the 13th, the day before Valentine's Day, curling up late at night with your loved one, possibly, or not, and uh, listening to this, uh, well, it's not going to be a romantic episode, I can promise you that, but uh, I, I, in myself, am somewhat romantic, so, uh, so you're welcome for that. And uh, so thank you for tuning in. This is a Muddied Waters Media production. Check us out on Facebook, on YouTube. Check us out on Instagram. Check us out on SoundCloud, Twitter, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, any kind of podcasting app. Check us out. Muddied Waters Media taking over. Um, Thank you, as always, to Kroger for this delicious purified drinking water. You can't see that? Can you see it? Yeah, you can see it. This purified drinking water that I drink on this and every episode. Of my fellow Americans. Thank you so much to Kroger. Blue Vanaka. Let's see, what else do we have here? The intro and outro music that I play on this and every episode of My Fellow Americans is from the amazing and talented Mr. Joe Davi. That's J-O-D-A-V-I. Check him out on Facebook. Check him out on SoundCloud. Check out his Bandcamp. He's on Bandcamp. Buy all of his music. It's going to cost you like $10. Buy all of his music. You'll be so happy, Mr. Joe Davi. Thank you again. 
Shout out to Tehran Turks' mom and him as always. Guys, my guest tonight is one of the coolest Republicans in Detroit history, which I say as an intentional snub to Sonny Bono. He is the former state director of African-American engagement of the Michigan Republican Party. He is the head of American Urban Strategies, and he is the host of the Wayne Bradley Show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to my fellow Americans, the talented Mr. Wayne Bradley. Wayne, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Spike, for having me on the show. It's an honor. I'm really excited. I asked you to come on like months ago, I think, or weeks ago anyway, yeah. Yeah, I was waiting, man. I kept seeing all these other folks on here. I saw Shelby on. I'm like, man, when am I going to get an invite to come on here and hang out with Spike? So thank you. I think you. I actually, oh, well, thank you. I, I think I actually invited the two of you on at the same time, if I recall. But, um, no, but yeah, no, man, thank- she was on there before me, man. She was way on there before. No, She's no, no, a superstar, she was, though. Right, she was <laughs> on before you, but I think the invites went on. Anyway, I'm glad that you're on. And guys, uh, be sure thank to you. comment with any questions or thoughts that you have for me and Wayne, and we will tell you if you're right or wrong. Uh, Wayne, first of all, I want to start with obviously the most pressing question here. You are a Detroit mm-hmm. native. Uh, yes. You are clearly an African-American. And yet for, yet for some reason, <laughs> for some reason, you are a Dallas Cowboys fan. Unpack that for us. Uh, well, I mean, let's 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 really think about this. Uh, the Lions, <laughs> I am 42 years old and the Lions have won one playoff game my whole life. I mean. I was probably almost a teenager before I saw them even play in the playoffs. So by the time that I was of age to make a decision, this is during the 90s. Right. Three Super Bowls. It was pretty obvious. I mean, we had a great running back in Barry Sanders, but the the Dallas Cowboys were just that team. And really before that, it was Tony Dorsett. So I just, you know, I just always had a gravitational pull to America's team. And, uh, you know, uh, we got to get back to where we need to be. You know, so this is a this was a very '90s decision then. <laughs> yes, very well '80s '90s. Like I said, Tony Dorsett was there before that. We had some rough years uh, between when Jerry bought the team. So uh, you know, like I said, I was a Cowboys fan before Jerry. So before Jerry oh, bought wow. the team. So so you're not uh, a bandwagoner. You just nah, were like nah. this is oh, I, this is the I winning team. Yeah, I was hurt watching what Jerry was doing over the last year or so, but I realized. You know, I was one of these guys like, oh, man, I might not be able to support the Cowboys the way Jerry's been acting. Right. But I realized that I love the Cowboys more than I love Jerry. And Jerry was just – he was an owner of the team, but I was a fan before he was ever an owner. So that's well, how I've had to make peace with myself. Fair <laughs> enough. At, at, at least you're not a Patriots fan. So, you know, that's fair yeah, enough. And, so, and Tom Brady is the quarterback of Wolverine. That would never happen. Oh, yeah, that's right. That would never happen. Oh yeah, you definitely couldn't do that, right? Because he wasn't a never. he wasn't a Spartan. <laughs> yeah, I, that I, would never he, happen. The extent I know about college and 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 professional football rivalry is from my Facebook friends. I watch the I'll watch the Super Bowl and I might catch like a couple playoff games or whatever, but like I'm not heavily into it. So I, I appreciate you guys for keeping me in the in the know on the on the various rivalries and everything. Um, yeah. So pure the, fanatic. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, so the, the way I start off with any new guest is, uh, I ask you guys, mm-hmm. how would you describe your political beliefs? And then how would you say you got there? Was it like an aha moment or kind of a over time, like a gradual evolution to your beliefs? T- tell us about that. Well, yeah, I think it was, uh, overall it was a gravitational thing. I think when I was in college, uh, the first thing I noticed, and it was funny cause that now that's not even a big issue anymore, but at the time when I just got up to Michigan state university, uh, the young Dems at the time were having this uh, 
marriage equality. And even back then, it wasn't even marriage equality, I don't think. But it was just something uh, regarding gay rights or something. And I mean, I went to Catholic school for eight years. You know, uh, uh, my pastor, I call him the black Rick Santorum. So, I mean, you know, I just grew up in a very (laughs) conservative, (laughs) a very conservative family. And I didn't even recognize it until I got to college. That that was my first step was uh, that, okay, some, some of my friends were going to this uh, protest and I'm like, you know, I don't have nothing against anybody, but I'm not about to go protesting for that, you know. And right, uh, right, right. This, and, and I remember getting criticism from guys. I'm like, well, maybe I'm not a Democrat. And so that was 94, 95, uh, 96. Bob Dole ran, and his running mate uh, ended up becoming the guy that it made me want to be a Republican, which was Jack Kemp. Uh, and so uh, that was probably the beginning of my Republican roots was way back then but i always point to my pastor uh who was like i say extremely conservative and always about the two things that you probably see me getting you know people always go i'm always about protecting israel because that's been a big thing and look and i I tell people like yeah i know israel's not perfect right but this is what i learned all my life you know my pastor would always say we can't be a blessed nation yeah and so uh those were a couple things that kind of started it and then uh, I would say about the, the, the final couple things that really solidified it for me were uh, uh, my grandfather died in 1999. He was one. He was the first black anesthesiologist in uh, the state, black state in the state of Michigan. Oh, wow. And so he had a little, you know, a little money to leave to the family. And that's when I found out about inheritance taxes. And, I was just going <laughs> to say. <laughs> and that's what I found out about, you know, and literally how, you know, he you know, was supposed to take care of the grandkids and literally watching them cut a check, a six-figure check, just directly to the IRS. And I said, right. wow, what is that all about? For and nothing. Right, right, right. Nothing. You know, like, well, he paid taxes all his life. How do you still, after you die, just, you know, and that was probably the, the, the nail in the coffin uh, for me. Like, yeah, I don't think I'm a, a, a Democrat. If this is the kind of stuff, <laughs> that, <laughs> if this is the kind of stuff that people are, are willing to do uh, to put money into the government, then I just, you know, so right around 99, 2000, I was a, a Republican for it was cool to be a black Republican, I would say. Because you uh, found out taxation is theft firsthand. A long time ago. Yep, that was that was <laughs> my first experience with taxation being theft was uh, in 1999. So that's funny. Well, that would that'll do it. You know, uh, nothing. It, so nothing makes you pulls you to the right or towards you know, I guess either libertarian or, or conservative. Like having to write a big check to the IRS. That's just like just it's like, which by the way yeah. is why they do the uh, withholding from people because then instead you just have this little bit taken from you each time you're not really thinking about it and then when april comes around or you know march or february or whatever you get this big check and you're like oh thanks irs and you're not realizing that's i mean they're, they're, they're people are really literally mad right now because their tax refund refund is smaller because <laughs> right, they didn't take it because <laughs> they didn't take the money out in the first place and it's like right. I, and i get it like for people that live uh, week to week, check to check, uh, and you have kids, and you really do count on this uh, big swoon of, you know, big land full of money right. uh, at one time. I can get it how that can be disappointing, but people were enjoying having more money in their paychecks as well. So I just, yeah. I, I, and I, and I had friends at the IRS that tell me, Wayne, there's going to be some people really upset uh, come tax return time because they're so used to their tax return being their, you know, 
vacation money or, you know, something, to, you know, home improvement or something. And so when that money is reduced, uh, obviously people are upset about that. So, yeah, no, there's uh, like a ton of people that couldn't, you know, flip it on their mixtape and stuff. It, 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 it upset a lot of people, right? Like it's a very, I, mean, I know, yeah, I know. It's serious business with people, uh, <laughs> you know, you tell, you know, and, and it shows, you now. you know, when we had, even when we had this uh, work, you know, the partial government shutdown, right. Uh, Within two to three weeks, people were at food kitchens, uh, and so you know when people are living check to check, and I and I don't obviously I don't judge anyone on that because I've been there. Uh, right, right. You know when people are really you know counting on that money, I can see that, but I think that people have to also be aware of that you you know you receive more money, and it was your money to begin with. You should not right, be your money. happy. Yeah to receive your money back. I just, your own uh, money so, or some, uh, not even all of it, some of your own money back that was stolen give from you. you. What you overpaid, you know, you overpaid is what they're telling Right. Them, exactly. So. Like, yeah. So it's, it's crazy to me, but okay. So that makes sense. So, so you would say you weren't, I guess maybe when you were younger, you might've identified as a, as a, a Democrat or a left winger, but it was more, I'm black. Well, therefore I'm a Democrat I, I type up, of thing. Or? I, I think I grew up in, and I always tell people this, I grew up in a, what I would call split household. My father was a, a healthcare executive. Okay. Uh, so he was, he was more definitely on the management side of things. And my mom was a teacher in Detroit public schools. So, I mean, it doesn't get any more uh, in terms of being a union teacher in the city of Detroit. Right. right. Uh, you know, so, and, but, my mom was the one that took me to church every Sunday in terms of all this conservative stuff I was getting on Sunday. But right. my, you know, I always heard my dad complaining about uh, teacher strikes. Like that's the thing why I became a real school choice advocate. I always tell my mom this and she doesn't say, it. I'm like, is the fact that you guys went on strike uh, in the, when I was in the 11th grade and we didn't start school to almost December that year. So you can, right. and that was one of the time when I just started getting into all kind of trouble and it was because I had free time on my hands. Can you imagine having a, a summer break from June through October uh, in your 11th grade year? You just start driving. You know, it was just a... <laughs> you have a driver's license and you don't yeah, have to go to school. Appetite, it was an appetite <laughs> for disaster, you know? Right, so, right, right. Uh, my, You know, my dad was, you know, he wasn't... Uh, I wouldn't say he was against labor, but he was against certain things that in a city like Detroit that, uh, you know, in that instance, he was like, man, they should not be, you know, the kids. And so... That was, you know, I had a split house. I could see both sides of issues, but uh, it wasn't until I started, you know, investing in stuff and learned about right. capital gains. And, you just, <laughs> like, oh, man, like, like, why does the government get to tax my money that I probably already taxed it coming out of my income check? So then I go invest some money. And because I was, you know, able to pick a good stock or whatever, some solid right, investments, right. now you're telling me you're going to take that money, too. So I just... Uh, well, it started with that in gun rights and being in Detroit. That was the the, the final final straw was when Governor Engler uh, made you know Michigan a, a concealed carry, you know we could carry open carry and concealed carry state. And so right. uh, once people were able to actually before that only people who had guns were the police and the criminals. And so right. yeah, uh, you know that was my final. I think that was the final thing. I was like, well, you know what? I'm just a, I'm a Republican man. I know that sounds bad to some of you guys here. I'm, I voted for Bush in 2000, I want to say it was in 2004, 2000, 2004. I voted for him both times. And I was like, you know what? I got accepted, man. I'm just, I'm a Republican. You know, the guys that I like more, uh, the guys that I seem to agree with more were uh, Republicans. And that, and and like I said, it wasn't one of these things. Like I never, 
like I didn't listen to Rush Limbaugh and all these kind of guys. So I wasn't this hardcore. That's that's you know, evident. I, that's evident. That you did. <laughs> yeah, I realized it. You know, and, I, and and look, when Obama became president, there was this um, what I would consider a demand for black conservatives to speak up. And I think I kind of came up in the ranks during that time with social media and things of like that. But I never right. was the guy, I remember getting invited to speak at Tea Party rallies. And I say, if you guys think I'm about to come in here and just dog out President Obama, I'm probably right. not the guy you want to do that. I'm going right, to right. encourage us to get active. Uh, you know, I was always about calling your senators and you know making all the disturbances you could that way. But uh, just going after President Obama about every little thing, you know, and now I see that I wasn't wrong about that because it's like I remember I still remember how conservatives went crazy. The one time he went to Spain or something and he had a, a presidential suite and it was like, oh, my God, Trump, you know, Obama's gone out of town. And he's. Using, oh, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah. And it was just like, well, he's the president. And he's supposed to get that's why they call it a presidential suite. He should be allowed <laughs> to do that for a day. And then, you know, now, uh, you know, my president who I support. You know, he's got he's got a lot more leeway with his travel schedule and being at Mar-a-Lago and all these things. And so, you know, to me, that showed to me that it was just folks didn't like the idea that it was Obama spending those tax dollars to, to go to, let's say, Spain or whatever. But no one cares about that now with Trump. And I didn't care about Obama doing it. And I didn't care about Trump. Right. I guess that's, right. you got to be consistent if you're going to be that way. Yeah. I mean, so you've got two different groups of people that are hypocrites about <laughs> this, right? So one is... They're they're mad. Okay, so one of it they're mad because he's black. Like I mean, it is what it is. They're mad because it's a right. black guy and he's out jet setting around. And you know, they on don't their like dime, on yeah, their on dime. their dime. And he's not just a black guy, but he's you know into hip hop culture. He's like you know, and, and if anything, I mean, they're, they cool think he's black guy. He was yeah, cool he's a cool black. he's a cool black guy. And I mean, again, like I mean, you know, I think you know, give it another twenty thirty years and see who gets elected then and see how they respond to that. But um, but uh, I think Obama was pretty milk toast compared to some of the, the the other people that are going to be president in the future. But um, oh yeah, he's going to be considered pretty conservative. He'll be a moderate. I mean, they're already branded uh, Biden as moderate Democrats, and I, oh, yeah, I think that's yeah. interesting that how yeah. quickly that's that's become the uh, labeling of those guys. Oh, absolutely. So you've got you've got that group that's mad because it was a black guy. And then you've got a, a mm -hmm. group of people that are just mad because it's a Democrat. If if it were right. Biden doing it, they'd be outraged. If it was President Herman Cain doing it, they'd be fine with it. Like, it's just a pure team sports, you know, like you and Antoine very, going very, back very and forth. About, yeah, very it's tribal. very, very tribal team sports type <laughs> stuff. Um, so speaking of which, so that brings us into, I guess you, I guess in 2013, uh, you got involved mm -hmm. with the Michigan Republican Party uh, doing, right. uh, what was your title? You were the strategic director Stand for African-American engagement. How did that come about? Uh, well, that, interestingly enough, that came about um, with the growth and opportunity program that uh, Chairman Priebus at the time, Rince Priebus, uh, and it was addressing after the 2012 election, uh, how badly and how soundly that Obama, you know, President Obama beat Mitt Romney. Right. Uh, and from just the data and the numbers, you know, the the lack of votes and participation we were getting from uh, minority communities. Now, Latinos in particular vote more conservative uh, than black folks do. So right. they put more emphasis on retaining Latino, Latino voters. But the idea was that he wanted to go into different communities uh, and put in what, what they call a year round effort. It wasn't just going to be 
typically how they do in election cycles, you know, we'll go get an office in September, October and work through those couple months until the election. Right. Uh, but we, can't, you know, they hired me a year um, before the next election. So I, I was working a good year and a half. They actually invested in an office in the city of Detroit, which was, you know, uh, at that time, you know, it was historical. Like we hadn't had an office in the city of Detroit in probably, I'd say, 20 plus years. Right. Uh, to, you know, we're, we're talking about a consistent place where, you know, pe- people can come and get involved to party, volunteer, you know, become delegates. We, uh, you know, our first our office opening was like national news. You had Rand Paul who came in and opened the office with us. So, right. Uh, that was it was really, you know, at that time, the commitment and the things that were being done were really unbelievable. You know, it was great. Uh, and I was very grateful for Chairman Priebus and also Bobby Shostak, who uh, was the Michigan GOP chairman that I had. I will consider his full support and uh, blessing to go out and, and, and try to bring in more. People, you know, black people from my community, young people, you know, it, it wasn't. And like I said, in Detroit, you know, you just got it's a melting pot of people. You're just looking for people outside of just being older white folks that you want right. to be involved in the party. And so that to me was that that was a challenge. And uh, we did we did well in 2014. We, you know, we won our governor's race, won our attorney general race uh, and, you know, participate. It was some incremental numbers that they went up. Uh, but the fact was, is that they did go up and really it just right. shows that the more time you spend in these communities, you have a better chance. And, I, and a lot of what I was doing was encouraging, um, you know, the different campaigns to come into our office, to go to these different churches, go to these different, uh, you know, NAACP meetings, do whatever you need to do to, you know, have these discussions. Because uh, in my opinion, a lot of times Republicans and Democrats, they create silos of the people they want to talk to. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Say the same message to them. These people already believe in them, already going to vote for them. <laughs> right. So, but that makes the that makes the candidate feel good. You know, that makes him feel good to go to these places and everyone there likes him. No one's challenging anything he's saying or doing. Right, right. Uh, and for me, getting the you know Republican candidates out of that comfort zone uh, was that was part of what I wanted to do. I just think that a lot of times our Republican candidates are great candidates, good people. Uh, but they're not, you know, we don't push them to go to a black radio station host and go talk to them about, uh, you know, issues that are involved in the community. And it's, it's not that they don't care or not, not even that they're not familiar with some of it. It's just that uh, we, you know, if you're a, a Republican candidate, you're going to go to these news media sources. And if you're right. a Democrat, you go to these folks. And what it does is that you end up just talking to the same people that were supporting you in the first place. Right. And I mean, it's fine to have a pep rally. If you already have enough votes to win, if you right. don't, then it's not pep rally time. You've got to reach out to someone that's not traditionally going to listen. And and now, so Trump won uh, be, uh won in Michigan in 2016 by a pretty short margin. So I would assume that if it wasn't the deciding factor, it was at least an important factor having more engagement in areas of Michigan that you wouldn't traditionally you know, he, he have. Came, right? He came to the city of Detroit. He came to a church in Detroit. Yeah. No, I remember. Uh, that was- and that was to me, that was the moment where I said, you know what, I don't have to agree or like everything he says it does. The fact that he's doing something that I couldn't get Mitt Romney to do in 2012, right. uh, couldn't get other candidates to do, uh, which is, hey, look, you'd be surprised if you come here. They're, they're not going to boo you out the building. People are going to you know, be respectful. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of times that's all to me. Uh, my biggest thing is that's what black voters want. They want uh, to be respected. They want you to yeah. come in 
be honest with them, have a discussion, uh, and and people just have to be comfortable with that. And that that's been part of my job is to help uh, you know different candidates and my clients to be comfortable with that, and also just create a culture of where we don't shouldn't expect to not do it. That to me has been one of the biggest things that I think I've been able to do is just say, look. Uh, these are some of the places we need to go. We can plan it out so we can get more comfortable with it, but we just need to do it. And uh, to me, that's 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 important. Well, there was something you said one time. And by the way, before I go any further, something I really respect, guys, about Wayne, because I'm 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 an anarchist. So I mean, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm a, he's a Republican. I'm an total, anarchist. So I mean, total but, but anarchy. Some, <laughs> total anarchy. Uh, the best kind. Uh, um, but the thing I respect the most about Wayne is that. Even when he was an employee of the Republican Party, like literally he got a paycheck from the Republican Party. He still was did not hesitate to call out things that he disagreed with among Republicans or things he agreed with among Democrats or non-affiliated or whatever. He's always been as independent of voice, more independent of a voice than you would expect from someone who was actually an employee of the party. And that hasn't changed since he's moved oh, that, on to do his own thing. Oh, when he's gotten, yeah. we're going to talk about that. He's definitely gotten, uh, you know, there, there've been all sorts of, uh, 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 rewards he's gotten for that. So I just, I just want to, want to, want to point that out before yeah, that, we go any further. That, but. Was, that was, that was a constant uh, issue at times. <laughs> at times. So, yes. You know, being an independent voice, uh, and not, and I and and when I look back, I'm very grateful for those people that allowed me to stay in the job at times when it could have been, you know, just as simple to say, you know what, it's not worth having Wayne here because we got to deal with, you know, these scenarios where I, I mean, literally where I had people, you know, <laughs> you know, new national news calling my yeah. job because yeah. of a Facebook post. But that was my thing. It was like it was a Facebook post. I wasn't really post. trying to, yeah, you know, my personal time on the weekend. I wasn't at work doing that but yeah that and you know what to, so uh, i'm never going to vote republican because i'm an anarchist but if i were a fence sitter and mm-hmm. i'm seeing someone who is being an independent voice and saying i think you should vote republican but i don't agree with this i don't agree with that i like that the democrat that this democrat did this i think obama's cool you know i i have a crush on kamala harris like all, all like the, all these different all these different things that's going to actually make me more like I'm going to be more likely to receive one something. Well, you yeah, said I, the, I try to. Well, I, I, I'd say, I mean, again, I'm, I don't like either party and I, I think you've done a good job with it. I try something. To, you know, that, I didn't, yeah. yeah. So something you have said, um, something you said one time is that for black voters, the democratic party takes for granted that they're going to vote for them. Right. And the Republican party takes for granted that they're not going to vote for them. So you have this situation where no one really gives a crap what, the average black voter has to say because they just assume they've already got your vote to begin with, with the exception of if it's a really close election, here come the Democrat politicians to talk about hot sauce and, and, you know, or during the primaries, they'll be really happy. Yeah. They're doing all the things. And, and, and that's left us with no political leverage. Uh, I mean, when you really look at the situation, uh, that that's where we're at. I mean, the fact right now, like when you look what's going on in Virginia, uh, Black folks have no other choice. They don't. They don't have a black delegation in the Republican Party that can say, "Hey, that that's not acceptable." And yeah, he has we, to go. You know, right. You know, he has to go. But because we're all in one party, and and the way they did that in Virginia, I'm gonna tell you what's even worse is that after he got his blackface allegations, they went after the black dude that was the lieutenant governor to make right. him even a worse candidate to be governor. Right. 
And so now they're like, well, we might as well just keep Northam in here. We, and I've heard black folks say, you know, Democrats down there say, well, now we're going to get some stuff done. You know, it's almost like they got a gun to his head because of, of the blackface incident. So they're using their leverage that way. Right. But I just think that in general, uh, we're left with very little leverage to get uh, politicians to, to work on our behalf because of that reason. Democrats feel like, hey, black folks, are, the only thing that can stop Democrats is if black folks don't come out to vote. And, and that's just at essentially in their mind frame, as long as we can make them feel like it's worth coming out to vote. That's all we need to do. We're not about to give them, uh, you know, they, they're not going to give, you know, an agenda or anything like that. They might show up at the church on a Sunday, come to some uh, high school football games, do a couple right. of events. But in terms of, uh, you know, really having uh, an agenda that's set, they don't have to do that because they know that black people are going to vote for them anyway, which is unfortunate. Right, right. Yeah, they're not they're not pushing the needle at all. So you so now you are in. um you started American Urban Strategies, and what exactly? And I have a bunch of stuff that's going to kind of come off of that, but I just want to start off. What is it that? What's the type of stuff that you're doing with American Urban Strategies? Uh, for the most, uh, well, for the most part, political consulting with uh, candidates, and now I'm beginning to do a little bit more work with uh, businesses and organizations that kind of want to improve their relationships uh, within, you know, within government, in particular oh, in the okay. uh, state of Michigan. But I'm not a lobbyist. <laughs> you're, not, so, you're just a you're just a consultant. <laughs> yeah, just a consultant. I don't just a don't consultant. You don't anything like that. But uh, yeah, for the most part, and like in particular, like right now, we have the um, emerging medical marijuana markets here in uh, right. Michigan. So I'm working with some folks like in that space. Uh, but for the most part, working with you know trying to help candidates, help organizations uh, with their messaging, and do a better job. Uh, you know still working within these communities. So pretty much the same thing, but now as a freelancer. Yeah, I have a little more freedom. And then I can, you know, if I want to criticize someone, it doesn't have to be, oh, Wayne Bradley from the Michigan Republican Party <laughs> is criticizing someone. And, and now, and, and that's the whole point. Now, if I criticize someone, it doesn't make the news. No one cares right. about it. It's, not, it's okay not a controversy, that. right, right. Because yeah, it's not like I said, you know, even that, the thing that made the most news well, something I'm like, well, one, I never even mentioned Trump. I, I, I didn't agree with uh, Sheriff of P, uh, P.O. or P.O. Yeah, being, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, being pardoned. But at the same time, I recognize as the president, he can do whatever he wants to do. But right. that doesn't mean that I have to. I mean, again, I support Trump, but I don't have to support Sheriff of P.O. That wasn't part of the, the deal. So, uh, you know, great. Trump released you know he pardoned them but i still don't think that sheriff aprio is anybody that should be a hero and i stood by that and then the other part was about um uh was it not you know the monuments all the different confederate monuments well dude i live in michigan one that's not even really an issue to me here because i I obviously see it but i don't think that in, in states where public tax dollars were being used that that's a worthy cause and if uh, certain states want to keep it that way. That's their prerogative. But I just, you know, again, I didn't know how that made that's your news. opinion. Yeah, that's your yeah, opinion on it. Was it. Another one of my friends, and it was the guy that criticized me the most was somebody that I had known who I, had, you know, who had his own questionable past. But at the end of the day, uh, I wasn't willing to. That wasn't the point. Like I don't, I don't unfriend people on Facebook because of stuff. Right, I don't right. do any of that stuff. So, um, and me and him eventually we pieced it out or whatever. But. 
he was calling for me to be fired because I didn't stand 100% with the president. I'm like, no, I do stand with the president. I don't stand with these guys. I don't stand right, with right. Charlottesville. And, I'll, you know, so while the president has to say they're very nice people on both sides, I don't have to say that. You know, that right. that's not my base. That's his base. And if there, he are nice, that, there are yeah. nice Nazis out there, right? Yeah, right. I mean, that's, that he has the right to say that. Uh, right, right, right. I personally don't have to roll with that. You know, that's no, just, of course. And so, you know, eventually, again, you know, I'm very grateful for that uh, the Michigan GOP and, you know, like I said, even when I was working for RNC, uh, they gave me a little more space to be who I am because that's me being who I am, like you said, might bring more people in as opposed to me just going along with every single talking point that uh, the part, you know, it was certain things. I remember getting communications like, no, I can't say that. I just, you know, I'm not going to. Yeah, you know, I just I, don't say anything, or can I change this and change this just a little bit, just so it sounds more like something I would actually say. Something you'd actually say. You're in Detroit. It's like, right. what, 98% Democrat or some... some yeah. Like, I mean, you can't do an outreach thing where you literally just say what, you know, the standard talking point would be in, you know, urban, in rural Arkansas or... You know, uh, you know, a suburb of San Diego or something, and you're going to bring that to, urban, you know, downtown Detroit. You're going to, you know, just say the same thing, but in your voice. That's not going to catch on. They're not just. It's not that they're just waiting to hear a Republican say something. They're trying to hear how this is going to help them. And if you go to them and go, well, yeah, you know, Dixie Pride, you know, I mean that that's not going to that's not going to carry over. And and first I, of all. I, so I used to go to those meetings. I said, there's no, I, there's no way I can reach out to, to black folks if I'm cool with, uh, you know, the idea Confederate of... Confederate monuments. Like, I mean, yeah. it's just absurd that they even asked you. First of all, the irony of, I'm always told, you know, the Republican Party is the party of Lincoln and the Democrats are the party of the Confederacy. But also we have to fight to keep up the Confederate statues that the Democrats are trying to take. Oh, well, and, what? and that's what I kept saying. Like, I'm a Republican. We beat the Confederates. I mean, that's <laughs> what the whole... Like, I, I should be proud to say tear them all down. So, but again, I think the uh, conversation changed with... Um, with the way that, you know, I, I think the president at times, he likes to just start an argument. I mean, I cannot believe oh, the yeah. guy that's from New York uh, that was, you know, amongst the most liberal of people really gives a, a crap at all about conf Confederate monuments. You no. know what I mean? I, I don't think he did, but I think that he realizes that uh, there are certain people that were his some of his supporters that that was important Greatest to supporters, them. So, yeah. So if it's important to them, it's important to me, or at least to the point that's how he presented it. And so, um, you know, Donald Trump has always been a great marketer and a salesman. So, I mean, he, he, understand, he understands his market better than anybody else. I, I, I give him credit for that. He, he definitely does. We've talked about that. <laughs> like, so he's not So he's not someone you're... People will say to me, like, well, do you think Donald Trump is smart or dumb? And I'm like, listen, Donald Trump isn't someone that's going to want to sit down with you and talk political theory or, no. you know, talk about philosophy and stuff like that. But he has an innate understanding that... I do, like possibly no one else I've ever seen of how people are going to react to every single thing he does, not just yeah, the people that like him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he has yeah. A hand on the pulse of, of like I, I still have not figured out how as a billionaire he's tapped into the mind frame of a guy that's in rural Alabama and they he's talking the same. Like I get it now, but I just I that is one he's he's that talent. That's a skill uh, that that most people just don't have. And more importantly, he knows how the people that hate him are going to respond. So he can literally 
they'll be sitting there going, we can't let the president dictate the agenda. We can't let him. And he'll tweet some stupid thing and they'll talk about it for 10 days straight. It's like they just he knows how to play that. the media. He knows how, to, and and that, I mean, it's almost sometimes. There's been a couple times where I said something that was happening might have been controversial with the administration. Right, right, right. Like, he's about to send out a tweet. You know, he's about <laughs> to, you know, like and and, and 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 the media goes for it every time. So I mean, I every single that, time, every single I mean, time, he's learned that he's learned that from the years of doing, uh, you know, reality TV, uh, and and just being a fixture, what I would consider in pop culture. He's, if you really think about it, he's been involved in pop culture uh, for 25, 30 years, if not more, probably longer than that. I think so, even longer than that. Cause yeah, it, probably it, it's, the, you go back to the eighties, really. If you really go yeah, like early, 80s. early to mid eighties, he's, he's been around yeah. for over 30 years now. I mean, he's been doing pizza hut commercials. He's done right, a lot. Right, of, right. Like, he's been, he's been in the mainstream of uh, America here. And so, let me t- let me uh, can I, yeah. Let me tell my young daughter who just walked in to turn yeah, down. Do, do whatever me, you need uh, to do. That's fine. That's fine. Real quick. That's fine. I'm gonna go through. Uh, I'm gonna go through real quick while you're doing that. But um, yeah. So guys, if you're watching, if you have any questions or thoughts, feel free to comment, and Wayne and I will tell you if you're w- right or wrong. If you're just tuning in, uh, I am interviewing uh, Wade Bradley. He is a uh, conservative political consultant and the head of the American Urban Strategies. And you're back. Good. I'm back. Um, So I wanted to ask you about this. So there's Mm -hmm. something that's been going around for over a year now, this uh, Blexit thing. And it's a play on the, you know what it is, but for those who who don't know, it's a play on the Brexit uh, thing. And Mm -hmm. it's basically saying that black people should exit the Democratic Party presumably to become Republicans. Um, And I've got, I've seen a lot of, so honestly, I would say that 80% of the people that do the the Blexit um, hashtag are people that already were Republican. They may have left, but it was, you know, two years ago, three years ago. There have been some that are like, you know, after this, I just became a Republican or I just left the Democratic Party. So there is, there is some of that too. My question for you is, I noticed that the, the people that are the most likely to identify with Blexit, Mm-hmm. aren't necessarily conservative and they aren't necessarily, I, I guess I should, so they aren't concerned about necessarily lower tax rates or, you know, uh, they may be concerned for medical marijuana or something like that, but so would, a, so would a Democrat. It's like, so their politics and their policies pretty much stayed the same. They just mm-hmm. now are kind of, they got the MAGA hat on instead of the hope and change shirt. <laughs> so what are your thoughts on that? Because it seems like, there's a level of identity politics there where they're like, well, I identify as a black person who recognizes that the democratic party has played us, but I haven't actually, I'm not a conservative Republican. I'm not even necessarily, I'm I'm still, you know, a liberal. I just am now a Republican liberal. What What do you think are the challenges of that to, that are, you know, people that are saying, you know, well, I want to be a Republican, but I don't mind the government continuing continuing to grow. I'm fine with you being taxed when your grandfather died, or what you know, whatever else. How do you deal with someone like that? What is the outreach for for someone like that who at least recognizes that the Democrats don't give a crap about them? Well, I think uh, you know, there's a couple different layers to that. One, uh, Candace Owens, uh, whether you might like her or dislike her, she's done a great job in getting young people. Uh, you know, at least disenfranchised from the Democrat Party. I think some of that has been self-inflicted by Democrats. I think the whole thing with Bernie and 
uh, Hillary Clinton, that kind of made some young younger black people me more like hands off the Democrats party. But I think, you know, overall, I support any, anything that makes black in particular black voters, uh, whether it's independent of either party, but at least think for yourself uh, in right, terms right. of what you, you know, so I, I approve of uh, the idea of it. Um, I think that, you know, the, what the fact is Candace Owens has become a, a media sensation, a personality too. So what happens is people follow the personality and they're not, right. you know, I didn't, you know, and I, I guess in a way I was like that with Jack Kemp, but at the same time, it was certain principles and, and um, you know, principles that I started aligning myself to and understand those are the things that really uh, made me want to be a Republican. And so now, again, you know, with social media, I didn't have all that back then. Right, of people course. Are, you know, people connect with people and they receive information differently. So um, I think it's good, I think it's good uh, that you have someone that's, I think Candace is about 27, 28 years old. So, yeah, you, you know, I'm. it's funny, I've been involved with it so long now that I feel like I'm one of the older, the, the, ne- the older generation. I'm 42. But right. I think there's a different, you know, I think that her methods... Um, I never was the confrontational guy. You see what I mean? Like, so I think that her methods are different than mine, but she's on a bigger platform, a bigger scale. And so to get to get MSNBC and the CNNs to always want to interview you, you have to be somewhat controversial. I think. Oh, yeah. You have to be a fighter. Yeah. 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 So I think that that's why you don't see me on TV and stuff as much, because that I'm all about the solutions. And so, like, I, if I'm going to recruit people to leave the Democrat Party, I want to have them. I want to have something for them to come to, right? Uh, to do that, and I think that uh, they're they're working on that. And I, like I said, I've I've spoke to Candace Owens a few times. I think that uh, in general, I support it because I like I said, I like the idea of people challenging uh, political political norms, societal norms on these kind of things. So, right, in, right, right. Theory. I'm definitely behind. I think that the challenge is is that again, when you're going into personalities, what happens when, if, you know, Donald Trump, whenever he decides he doesn't want to be president anymore, if he doesn't run again, or whatever the scenario is, yeah. are they there for a personality? Or are they there for the principles? And will that, you know, because I, I worry about, I wonder about that. What happens if you just, I was a Republican before, so it doesn't, you know, to me, if it had been Ted Cruz, I'd have been supporting that Republican candidate. Right, right, right. People that are exclusively only into it because of Donald Trump. You know, I don't know where that, you know, how far does that go or does maybe maybe one of his kids run and then you can continue that legacy. I don't know. I don't know where, where that Trump's be. for the next 30 years. Yeah, it's, it's possible. I mean, it, you know, it might not be all be presidents, but they could all be senators and right, different right, things. Right. So, I mean, you just never know. But I, I'm in theory. I like I like Blexit. I like what Candace Owens certain stuff, you know, again, I'm, I'm not into the, to being what I consider. Um, and, and it's hard to recognize that with my Facebook post sometimes, but I'm really not the person that likes to uh, just argue with people on, you know, TV and radio all the time. Uh, if people disagree with me, I'd rather them say why they disagree with me than just call me an idiot. So let's have that conversation. You know, that's right. That's right. So. You don't want to just yell at Democrats all day, which no, I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's it's cathartic. It's cathartic. Yeah. Yelling at Democrats can 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 lower your blood pressure, but it's not <laughs> it's not a strategy. Um, so, yeah. yeah, no, I mean, especially when you consider that Donald Trump isn't really even all that conservative. He's somewhat mm. of a centrist, maybe to the right of center. He's somewhat right on some things. But when he goes and it was the same thing with Obama, when Obama left and everyone's yeah. like and the Democrats are like, vote for Hillary. And everyone's like, Why? 
and then Donald Trump's like vote right exactly and Donald Trump says vote for me and they're like all right okay I mean there there, I've met a lot of people that are like yeah I voted for Obama because he was cool and I voted for Trump because he sounded like he had the you know he had the uh, you know he was the biggest fighter and it's like you know they don't have politics it's like I voted for this one because I heard about him or her the most. So, so yeah, what are you going to, when Trump's gone as, as and now it's. You wanna, as much as these polls and all this other stuff and the numbers of it, it really does come down to who people, a lot of people, it's about a feeling who they like the most. Oh, yeah. Who feel that represents not their policy issues. Because most people, I don't think, I, I guarantee if you no ask idea. most voters, it's, you know, they don't have policy positions on most stuff. No. It's about who they think is going to. Uh, you know, work the best for them, work for their agenda, whatever that might be, you know. Uh, and so Obama, to a, most black people, he represented everything they thought that uh, a black person could be, you know, the, the right. whole inspirational. There's a lot of people that were older than my mother, my grandmother's age, that never thought they would be alive to see a black president. So, right. uh, you know, now, I, and I and I'm okay with this because I think now, after eight years of Obama, I think black candidates running for president and maybe anything else will be a little more scrutinized because I don't think black people, I think black people are now just coming to the uh, realization that they didn't probably get everything they wanted out of uh, the Obama administration. And they, they're still proud of them, you know, to that, to that extent, but they can, they can be honest now that they probably didn't get everything they wanted. And that, you know, that's the challenge that you have to deal with, uh, you know, Cory Booker's about to be dealing with that, you know, <laughs> is, is dealing with that. Yeah. yeah he, he's yeah. dealing with it, you know, very seriously. <laughs> but, you know, the thing about both of those guys, uh, both of them is that they actually have uh, records before yeah. they ran for president. You know, right. I'm a never, he was only in office for about two years. So he didn't have this record of being a prosecutor, which I think is the toughest that's uh, job that can be tough. to run for president. You know, I just think in general, uh, prosecutors are the people that are, they're law enforcement. So they're enforcing laws. Yep. Uh, most of the time prosecutors, you know, and attorney generals love to say, I'm going to enforce the law. I'm going to be tough on crime. And so now in the, you know, now criminal justice reform is getting popular because even Republicans have figured out it's a waste of money. Oh, it's a uh, huge waste not. of money. And so stupid. now, you know, but you know, you know, as we can remind people, it was, you know, Bill Clinton, who you know made the criminal justice law so tough, but it was because black people were saying like you got to lock up these gangbangers, you got to lock up these people, these drugs. They're killing the, the crack epidemic was destroyed. So the only thing they could think of was to lock these guys up, not realizing that okay, now you're leaving a whole generation of kids without fathers, yep. uh, you know, and so that's created a whole nother generation of you know fatherless young men that are out here, you know, doing the best they can do, and some of them not doing the best they can do. Uh, but you know, locking people up for thirty to forty years for something that maybe they were making t- even a hundred grand a year. Let's say if they were a successful drug dealer, right? We spent more money keeping them locked up now than we have, and the community is not any more any more safe. So, oh, and the uh, whole just, thing's the, the whole thing's foolish. So, uh, if you made hugs illegal. If we said hugging is going to be illegal from now on, you would see the cartels step in and you'd see the absolute worst people step in to provide you with hugs. And they'd probably kidnap children and put them in vans and you'd pay, you know, 50 bucks to hug a kid because it's illegal to hug people. If you make something illegal, cigarettes illegal again, if you made cigarettes illegal again, people wouldn't stop smoking cigarettes. Exactly. 
pack will go up to twenty dollars a pack, and people would be they would be coming in from all over the place. So I mean, and people would be shooting each other in the streets over cigarettes. If you made and and again, when people say to me people like, "Well, each other over alcohol," you know, I mean, yeah, oh, the alcohol. Uh, the the Kennedy family got rich, you know, being the toughest gangsters out there. And when people say to me like, "Well, do you want heroin and crack to be legal?" and I'm like, and I, by the way, I'm not speaking on behalf of Wayne. I'm speaking on behalf of Spike Cohen. When they say, "Do you want?" I'm not. The Michigan Republicans do not endorse this. When people say, "Do you want crack to be illegal?" to be legal, I'm like, yeah. I mean, I listen. They're gonna do it anyway. All you're doing is is giving cartels, you know, something powerful another thing to make money off of and then you're also locking up and most in the u.s most uh, if you make a new law it's going to be disproportionately enforced against people of color especially black people so you're giving the government another thing to lock up a bunch of black people for like it's 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 not a good thing again wayne it does not support uh crack legalization (laughs) the republican party is a good 20 years away from supporting crack legalization we got a long way to go on that one I, I understand. I understand. Like I think that what you could do is stop criminalizing everything. And look how they're at the very doing. least, right? The great example of, of of how the difference of this is. We have treated opioid addiction as sickness, something that yep. needs to be treated. We have right. not criminalized it, and uh, I think that that's kind of similar. What we should do with all drug uh, issues and drug problems is that. You have to, you know, it's not a criminal issue. It's a, a sickness. And so. Right. Right. Yeah. So if you're not going to make it legal, like I want, um, then at the very least, stop putting people in cages over it. Like if you're going to treat it like something people should, you know, make them go into rehab and things like that. Don't put them in a cage and give them a criminal record that makes it nearly impossible for them to get a good job. Yeah. Not to mention taking them out of the world for, I mean, you know. There are days where, you know, if I, because I have MS, and so I have these times where I get really, really tired and I just sleep for two or three days. And when I get up, I'm like, what happened? Where am I? You know, what does happen? You know, and I'm so like detached from the world after two or three days, 10 years, 20 years, you come out, the world doesn't even look like it did when you, when you went in and you, you have your, you you spend the first year probably just adjusting to, to that lifestyle again. And you've got, you know, people don't want to hire you and all that stuff. So it's, no, it's absolutely terrible. So, Wayne, you've been listening to me say anarchist stuff now for roughly, I don't know, three, four years. And yet mm-hmm. you're, you're still not an anarchist. Why? <laughs> um, well, you know, I think on a, on a, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, in, this, in this day and time, I think that um, it, I guess it's just something, it's the unknown. It's the, I guess I'm scared, Spike. I guess I got to be <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what, how that will work out in America uh, with no laws and total anarchy. I'm a little scared of that here. Uh, you know, maybe if it was just maybe we ought to test it on some smaller villages or smaller, smaller areas. Yeah, and see how that works because I, I I can imagine in certain places that that might actually work uh, with a less effective government. But I'm just not convinced that in Detroit and <laughs> where, where I live that if if tomorrow we just said you know what. We're going to let everyone police themselves. We're going to let, you know, I just don't know how that would work, you know, and uh, that I guess, like I said, I'm just going to have to be honest. I don't usually admit to being no, scared, you, that was, but that's what it listen. is. I guess I'm scared of the idea of, of literally saying, you know, well, just let everyone uh, police themselves and do what you do. You know, if we legalize if I, I There is a good argument for the drug legalization. I just think that um, that. Just like everything else, I have an issue of where will they put that stuff? Where will the product placement of those, you know, just the same way it is illegally, 
I just have an issue. Where would the product placement be of this? Right, stuff? right, right above the rocket launchers. Listen, I, I'm, I, I, I listen. So I want to, I want to give you credit again. So I've had you are my, I believe, thirtieth guest, and mm -hmm. I would say twenty of them were not anarchists. And I always ask, like, you know, so why aren't you an anarchist yet? You've, you've heard me say it's good. Why, what, what it? And I've gotten all sorts of different answers. You were the only one to be honest enough to just be like, listen, I'm scared. I'm scared. I listen to what you have to say and it scares me. And I, so I will give you credit on that, sir. You, I appreciate your honesty there. Cause everyone else I, like, I Oh, you know, and streak in me, man. I, I, I was, oh, no, I know. You know, uh, hold on. I'm having a crap. Yeah, no, this is. Segway and break music, huh? Sorry, that was oh, no me problem. pressing the wrong button. I apologize, everyone. So, anyway, I'm sorry, go ahead. But yeah, I was a Rand Paul guy, so I, I'm and what Rand Paul has shown me over the last two years, uh, since Trump has been elected, is that he still clings to his liberty stuff, but he knows how to. to unfortunately, he's learned that you know it's, it's going to come small bites at a time for the kind of liberty he wants. So uh i i still have much it, yeah. much less the kind i want because yeah, yeah. if, if liberty you know, if like this... the wars i want to get everybody out but i just don't want to do it all tomorrow you know i right, realize right, right. I can't just you know realistically i know it sounds good to say those aren't our wars those aren't but you know what if if we left tomorrow there would be some very uh bad things that would happen and i guess the argument we made well those bad things were going to happen anyway Right, well, you know right, what? Right. We probably didn't help those things. We've, you know, we've made situations worse. Oh, way there. worse. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. So, you know, realistically, can we leave at You're going to be in Afghanistan probably for the rest of our lives, Spike. I mean, I don't, See, you that, know, I don't that's, that's why you have to legalize the grenade launchers. Listen, I'm just, real quick. So, no, I know because I, I just I, and, and I, I get what you're saying, because, yes, the U.S. government has turned entire sections of the earth into an incredibly dangerous place where if mm -hmm. you look at like what Afghanistan looked like in the 1950s and 60s, if you look at what Lebanon looked like in the 60s, if you look at what uh, Iran looked like in the, in the 50s and 60s, those places looked like European cities with brown people. They're on them. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They looked like they were on vacation. They were wearing bikinis and everything else. They would be, and it's, you know, a beautiful, like the climate's great there. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's an ideal place to live except because there's oil there. And because there's Israel there, the U.S. government has has done some stuff that wasn't necessarily the best, and and so did the Soviet government and other. Alliances. We're not the only one. Yeah, we have strategic alliances and uh, you know interest over there. I guess it the best have some very interesting interests that have led to entire sections of the Earth being war zones. And uh, mm -hmm. so again, but this is why if you legalize the grenade launchers, they can buy them from us. And then they can fight each other. This is it's a good thing. This is a good thing. But anyway, well, we so give them, we, def, we definitely give them grenade launchers and guns to fight each other. But sometimes those guns end up getting switched on us. And I mean, it's just it, that's the problem of being there in the first place. If you're not, yeah, there. exactly, yeah. But you know, there's poppy fields over there too, Spike. You got yep, about no, those I poppy know. fields over there. That's why you got to legalize it? You got to legalize it. That could, you can make an argument on that because we're definitely over there protecting oil and poppy fields. Oh, yeah. When when tell, people tell me the government, so I'm like, listen, the government. I, I mean, I've you've heard me say this before, and I know you agree. It's it's hard for me to take the government seriously 
I'm sorry, I have back problems. It's hard for me to take the government seriously when they say, yeah, we're really worried about this drug problem. And I'm like, well, then why is the U.S. military defending poppy fields? And why burn does the down. CIA, why does the CIA, yeah, why, or yeah, if not burn it down, why are you stopping the Taliban from burning it down? Because there was yeah. no heroin trade while the Taliban, Taliban was in charge. The reason, <laughs> no, they didn't allow it. And, and, and the reason that opiates are as cheap as they are now, that's what's causing this whole crisis, is that opiates are cheaper than alcohol, is because there's this huge flood of supply coming in from Afghanistan, which is being brought in by CIA-protected drug cartels, but then you want to arrest the black guy that's selling it. And, 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 and it's like, you know, so when did you start caring about the war on drugs? Clearly not until you know, until an American citizen was involved, and now you got to throw him in a cage. So, anyway. It's, it's too, too, too many people are going to jail for... I mean, I, I think that uh, if you if you even lock people up for five years or so for major drug dealers, not these guys, these nickel and dime guys, but yeah. if you, if you, if you like took away all their money... Right. Yeah, and, and, and maybe that was set examples, but the reality is, is that there's a new kingpin the next day. The next exactly. day you lock up this one guy... There might be five other guys that are willing to go to war to be that next kingpin. So exactly. Exactly. And you've got people that are in economically depressed areas. They have not been in, in many cases. They have not seen. They have not seen legal success. Uh, their their cities are are heavily taxed and heavily regulated, so it's hard to open a business there. There mm -hmm. is all sorts of structural things in place to make sure that they don't succeed legally, and then they can be making two thousand bucks a day selling crack or heroin. And let's not let's not get in you know, and crack and heroin is so nineteen ninety spike. Let's let's talk really about what's going on now with these uh, pills yeah. that doctors are prescribing. Yep. Yep. that are made right here in the good old USA right uh, in factories across America that mm -hmm. that is you know the, the real problem why heroin has gone up is because people have gotten addicted to these man-made pills and right. then when they run out of the prescription they have to go to the street and get heroin yep uh, yep and, and that and that's exploded the whole you know because once you get addicted to heroin it's over you know you can you can play around with pain pills for I guess a longer amount of time but once you get hooked on on heroin uh, or any of that kind of stuff, you, you, you're done. And so, oh yeah, because you're snorting it or injecting it into your veins. It's, sure. it's and it's pure yeah. opiate. It's on a completely different level. And and there's uh, uh, so legal opiates have a certain amount of other chemicals in it that make it so that you can't really overdose on it because it'll make you sick and throw up. There's nothing right. like that in heroin. Heroin you can do as much until you die. So people aren't ODing on the pills. They're exactly they're ODing on the heroin after they run out of the pills. And no exactly. One can prescription field quick enough so exactly um, exactly think that, you know and again but we're treating that like sickness we're not treating that the same way we're doing uh crackheads which is you know again you call them someone a crackhead that automatically takes them down a level in the oh, yeah. person describing as a person someone who's got opioid addiction <laughs> you're right it, we treat it like a complete one is a mental health issue or an addiction issue and the other one is like, I mean, I grew up in, like you said, I, I, I'm dating myself talking about crack because, I mean, I'm, you know, I grew up in the, in the 90s. We're about and so, the same age. We're about the same age on that, I figure. So, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm almost 40. And so, you know, I got, you know, 40. I go to Poplar, Poplar and Atlantic Beach and the places around here. And it was the crackheads. And, you know, you don't want to be around the crackheads because crack, you can't trust a crackhead. Crackhead, they might be the nicest crackhead in the world, but they'll still steal from me or whatever. But then with an opioid people, it's like. Well, you know, we just need to get them the help that they deserve. And it's like, wait, but they're like the crackheads. So anyway, so 
you so i would like to talk about possibly your favorite so actually for let me start with this and we kind of touched on this if guys if you ever want to be entertained go to wayne's facebook i have it in the notes and just see when he posts anything even just a new profile picture literally anything and you will see the most entertaining comment thread bar none i don't care i have some very entertaining facebook friends but you have a mixture of partisan white republicans partisan black republicans you got a jewish anarchist in there for some reason i don't know why and then you got you got you've got you know liberty leaning republicans and then you've got you know black democrats and white democrats and you've got pretty much the whole spectrum I, I, of of I, you got I everyone have, i have a picture of what america really looks like in terms you do, of the, you really do and they hate they each know. other that's what's so funny so you have and a they love of doing it they love going at it every day oh every Man, day like, they love it i mean literally some of these guys they hate they hate each other but they love talking to each other and i think that that really to me that's what america is about that we should be able to argue and debate but it's like you know it's not one of these things where i think that uh, most of the people I, I i get the impression that they wouldn't come to blows or violence if they saw each other it's just good good political banter i've had you people know? that i've met who online they've blocked me and called me a nazi and whatever else and i meet them in person and you know we're we're nice to each other like it's not and I'm sort of online the same way I am in person because I'm like, as soon as someone gets angry at me, I just, I'm like, <laughs> that's funny. And I'm the same way in person. Like if I, I don't argue well with my wife because I just, I, I, I have a hard time staying I arguing. Start, yeah, it's, me too. I'm not an arguer by nature. I'm just, I'm a smooth, I'm a smooth talk. I'm a lover, not a fighter, man. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying. I'm a clown and I'm a clown, not a fighter. Uh, but um, I guess I'm a lover. But uh, but yeah. So I, you are, it, you, you are man. You're the man, Spike. I, I do dance, what I can. I appreciate dance it. Dance moves. You got all. I do have it. That's true. You're right. I'm a lover. I'm a Latin lover, the Jewish Latin <laughs> lover. But uh, so yeah. So you deal with hate from both sides and stay consistent. And again, that's what I like about. And you you know me. I come on and defend you constantly when people are like, "Oh, you're just saying that because that's what Trump likes or whatever." And I'm like, I'm like, did I lose you? Are you there? There. Uh, Oh, are you there? Yep. Okay, I lost you for a second. Yeah, I defend you constantly when people are like, oh, you just say that because that's what Trump thinks. And I'm like, no, he, he really doesn't. But so I want to talk about what might be your favorite subject, um, your Ooh. kryptonite, possibly, Kamala Harris. Oh, yes, um, yes. And, and, I, so I, and by the way, I want to give you credit again. Uh, I thought when she announced she was running, I'm like, here we go. Wayne is going to switch parties. <laughs> he's going to nominate. He's going to endorse her. And he's going to go around and say, he's going to retract everything he said. I'm like, this is not going to end well. And you've been doing a good job. I've been very proud of you. You have stuck to, to being a, you know, Republican that is, you know, trying to keep Trump in all. I've been very proud of your, of your, of your sticking my heart, with. My heart is with Kamala, but my head is with Trump. I know, I know. Yeah, where... Exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> and let's just be honest. I, 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 I do have a, an affection for Kamala Harris. Oh, no yeah, we know. Yeah. You know, but at the end of the day, and she's an intelligent uh, woman, uh, but I, I think from the two things, or really the things that scare me the most, is she's a gun grabber. Uh, that's that, you know, uh, she mm -hmm. she would definitely go after the guns if she was president. And her record as a prosecutor scares me. But like, like I said earlier, I know that that's a rough position to be in in politics. Uh, but it just it's hard for me to believe that. Uh, some of the stuff she was doing, dealing with poor black families in California as an attorney general, uh, that 
that now that she's running for president, to me, it just sounds like just like Cory Booker, they'll do whatever is expedient at the time. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm, I do agree that she probably right now would be favorable for criminal justice reform. But her 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 background uh, just doesn't show me that that's what that was important at any other time before that. She locked up mostly black people. Yep. For their kids black being brown. Tr- black and brown. <laughs> but she locked up black people for their kids being truant, and she pushed for that as a policy. I mean, so mm-hmm. it's one thing to say, oh, well, I was, you know, I'm just doing my, like what they do with the cops. I'm just doing my job. Well, you don't have to do that. No one's making you do that, but that's a whole yeah. other subject. She, she, she was way past doing her she job. She was way she past was... doing her job. She was pushing for stuff that led to, I mean, the uh, 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 correctional uh, unions love her because her policies would lead to ever-growing prison. She can say she's in favor of, you know, ending bail or sentencing reform or whatever, but her record is one of, doggedly jailing and putting people in rape cages over victimless she crimes. She was more conservative about that than her Republican candidate was in her attorney general or oh, Senate easily. race. Easily, yeah, easily. I mean, so to me that, um, you know, if, if, if you're voting for her because you think that she's a black woman and she went to an HBCU and she's an AK and all these different things, that's great. But let's just look what she did when she had the opportunity the first time. Right. Being a power uh and you know I, that's the part i have an issue with cory booker he's he's been known as being an opportunist so i think that, i think i just accept that out of him uh i don't expect anything different you know to watch right. that man go after that lieutenant governor and ask him to resign uh but you know before anybody else does now again uh he's he's opportunist and i just think that any any black man that's running for office that would do that uh i'm i i, I Kamala might be a little more desirable just based on that. The fact that he was uh, demanding that the, the, the brothers had to step down and, and he, you know, the allegations, they are bad allegations, but let's, can we at least look through the, whatever notes or whatever she might've done at the time before we just call for the man, you know, and this is a Democrat. I don't care if he resigns or not. It really doesn't matter right, to me, right, but it, right. I don't like setting this precedent. The same way it was with Kavanaugh. I didn't think that Kavanaugh was, um, you know, I wasn't like this big Kavanaugh fan. I'm like, wait a minute. So this woman who doesn't remember anything can just say that this happened and we're just all supposed to believe it. I was like, that's a slippery slope. And as a man, and in particular as a black man, I don't want to set that as the precedent that you can just get rid of people for not, you know, I always go back to Herman Cain. All it took was allegations and Herman Cain was out of the Right. I mean, that's all you have to do essentially with black men candidates is to uh, put some kind of sexual innuendo in it. And now all of a sudden, uh, you know, Northam is actually saying he's not going to resign because you don't want me to resign because, you know, this guy. Because then Lexington will get in. Yeah. Or not Lexington. Fairfax will get in. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, it's just a slippery slope. I, You know, I was talking with a, um, a former CEO today, a, a black female. She's like, this is right now. This is women's time. And so uh, in terms of, of, of these kind of allegations and, and the workplace behavior that might have been OK 10, 15 years ago, uh, you know, is not acceptable anymore. And, uh, you know, again, I, if, if he really did rape those women, then he shouldn't you know, he should not be elected to be governor. But 
Uh, right, because he's being because he's being accused of rape, not like you know uh, sexual harassment or something. Like he's being yeah, accused of straight up rape. Right, right, right. Yeah, right. That's, that's totally. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, but and if she went and talked to the people at Duke, because she she claims that she went and actually talked to one of the counselors or something at Duke, then there should be some kind of paperwork to that. Now maybe the counselor talked her out of going further with it, but there should be something there. And she yeah. said she's told her friends and things of this nature, but uh, you know. And people, because they're like, oh, you got daughters, you got daughters. Well, I've I've made points of all these things to tell my daughter, you know, it's in particular my oldest daughter, that these are learning experiences that, you know, that uh, they're going to be people that question you if you're not upfront and honest about things in the beginning. And so. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so the, For anything, the not just rape. If if something happens to you, right? if you if and, you assaulted me and I wait 20 years to tell someone that, you know, Wayne hit me and beat me up. All right, well. There's nothing people you can gonna, do about it now. Yeah, like gonna, unless you have proof. Yeah, yeah, and see with and with a situation like uh, with rape, I think that uh, you just can't throw that out there because she just said she didn't want any. She didn't expect any charges to be brought. She didn't expect anything, but she just didn't want to be elected governor. Well, that sounds pretty scornful, right there. Uh, why wouldn't and, you want something to happen to him? Like if if if, if he right. raped you, why wouldn't so, you want him to not be able to rape anyone else? Yeah, and so that that to me, uh, just, you know, the same way with the you know that woman that accused Kavanaugh. It's like, well, now that he's been elected to the Supreme Court, uh, this is an issue now, right? Now, right. Just, uh, you, you know, and that to me again, it's a serious issue, but you have to, you know, deal with it in a way that so that people will, you know, deal with it that way. You know, tell of someone course. twenty years later, uh, it does come off as something, you know. Even with that Roy Moore stuff, I didn't like it. I, I didn't like Roy Moore as an individual, so I didn't have any right. problem with him going after him. But I said, nah, nah, wait a minute now. Uh, and, but, you see, the difference was with him, they weren't saying he raping people. He was just trying to holler at young girls in a time when in Alabama, maybe that's – and even, you know, to, that might be acceptable culturally down there, but uh, they weren't saying he was raping women. I think that that was – Yeah, uh, yeah, no, you know, no. They were, they were bad candidate were... in general, so, I, you know, I didn't have any – qualms about that but uh you know you know it seems to me that the easiest way to to weaponize uh these allegations is, is what they're doing they're weaponizing it just by making the allegation uh and no burden of proof no anything uh expecting a man to defend himself and the more you fight it and try to defend yourself the worse you look you know brett kavanaugh proved that yeah, well, it's tough. Like, I mean, you, if if something happens to you, you, it's imperative that you say something as soon as possible so that the person can be punished for it. If you come back years later and don't have proof, then this is the kind of stuff that happens. So you've got Kamala Harris, who uh, is ahead of her time. She listened to Tupac seven years before he ever came out and uh, and Snoop Dogg, like, the you know, 10 years before he came out. And then uh, Cory Booker. Uh, who um, he and his friend T-Bone, the drug dealer, um, T-Bone. And his it, he apparently now has a girlfriend that no one knows. I think her name's probably T-Boniqua. Um, but she, wow. you know, T-Boniqua oh, or something. He was rumored to be dating uh, uh, this actress, Dawson. What's her? Rosio, Rosario Dawson. Now, she's fine, but I, I, I don't know if that's really what he was, you know. Again, I don't want to get into that too deep on those allegations, but uh, <laughs> His I, allegations I of being heterosexual, yeah, yeah. I, I find it all. Qu- and listen, he probably would gain points for being honest about who he is if he wants to be that way. But uh, I think that 
more than anything, he's proven just to be an opportunist. If, yeah. if if polling showed that if he came out and said whatever he wanted to make an announcement, if he saw that to be in his favor, I think he would do it. But I, oh, I absolutely. Even if he wasn't, even if he wasn't gay, and they said, you know, if you pretend you're gay, gay, this is going to help. He'd be like, I'm gay. Like he, I can't stand. If he it. saw so, it to be in his favor, he would do whatever he would, could do uh, to win. Uh, God bless him, because I know that's. I mean, I know people that have worked with him, you know, in New Jersey, whatnot. He, you know, and and one of his biggest problems is that when he was mayor of Newark, uh, it was one of the worst police uh, departments in the country in terms of abusing black folks, abusing people's civil rights, and he was mayor at that time. So yep. again, these guys have records that you can really dive into and say. Uh, you know, I liked Cory Booker when he was mayor because he was a pro school choice at that time. Bet you oh, he won't well. do that now. Yeah, yeah he no, was, he's he, definitely he not going to do there. that now. See, and that's the problem is that when he was a, a mayor in a city that had failing school systems, he found it necessary to say, you know what, I might be in support of school choice because I want people to stay in Newark. And the best way to do that might be to bring some of these charter schools in here. And so right. he worked with a lot of different uh, Republicans that I knew at the time that were pro, you know, school choice. Just the same way he's worked with Wall Street and he's worked with uh, Big Pharma and yeah. everything else. So he's an opportunist. He's the he is the um, cookie cutter uh, politician that will take advantage of any opportunity and never lets a, a tragedy go to waste either. So and, that's and never like. Never misses a chance to pander. And again, I mean, to me, again, I'm an anarchist. I, when I see politicians, I'm like, how are you going to pander to me? But he takes it to a level of he's in front of an audience and they asked him about the Ralph Northam um, uh, 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 blackface thing, which, by the way, uh, and here's an aside. Um, if you watch that thing where then he said, no, I was actually Michael Jackson. And they were like, well, can you can you uh, moonwalk? And he got like he was like, yeah, I can moonwalk. And he kind of looked over and he was like. Yeah, I can I can do that here. And he got so excited because you think you put yourself in his head, in his in his place for a second. He's been he's been beat up, rack, rake, raked across at coals for two days, and you know possibly not going to be governor governor anymore. And he's up in front of these angry journalists, and one of them's like, "Hey, can you moonwalk for us?" And I bet he's really good at it because he's like, because I know that feeling. So I'll say like I know how to salsa, and people will be like, "Hey, can you do it?" And I'll be like, "Yeah, I can do that here." And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, let me show these people what I can do." And then. He was ready to go, and then his wife's like, "No, that's not appropriate." And he's like, <sighs> "My wife said that's not appropriate." I felt I actually felt bad for the guy in that moment because I'm like, he should have. First of all, if he moonwalked well, that might have actually helped him. Um, but he could have said that it was legit. You know, this was not a blackface thing. This was this is not. <laughs> I, I had appreciation for the culture. I wanted to be like Mike at that time. If you, really I am a Michael to- Jackson impersonator. Yeah, he didn't have. I mean, and and that that would have been better. You know, what I give him partial credit for is the lie that he came up with the next day. Right. If he would have came up with that a couple hours earlier Friday night, I think that he would have avoided a big portion of this. He could have just said, hey, that was not me. Wasn't I don't it? know who that was in that picture, but it wasn't me. Wasn't I can me? tell you what. And that, and and Because and, it was funny the next day for him after already apologized to come in and say that. That was but, so stupid. I mean, you know, uh, a lot of men use that excuse and maybe he's going to be because to now, like I said, black people are using it as leverage to get stuff that they probably would have never got done before. Right. Uh, and, and the fact that they've scared people away from Fairfax, who they thought was going to be the I mean, for like two the days, next governor. Yeah, it was a two day window where they're like, we're going to have our second black governor yep. in Virginia. And next thing you know, rape allegations. 
And then the next thing you know, private meetings leaked out where he was using F that B to describe the situation. I said, oh, he's done. His own staff is turning on him. And, you know, that's probably, you know, not to start a race war or nothing here, Spike, but I bet you most of his staff is a bunch of white folks and from Virginia. And, and, you know, some white young woman heard that and was like, I'm leaking that. That's that's coming out. And so. Uh, and it could have been a black person. I'm not going to say that. I mean, they might, the plate was in, we got to get this guy out of here. You know, or he might not have even said first. it. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, I, I don't, I have no idea if he even said it or not. You, oh, you never know, but what, the exact way that the term was used, he said it. Cause that's how, I, that's how <laughs> no one made that feel. up. Yeah. That's how you would feel if you're getting lied on. That's a good point. You know, I, I don't doubt point. that he didn't say it. And I, and I, I probably would feel the same way if, if you know you didn't do that <laughs> and someone's right. trying to take you out of your you know something he's probably worked extremely hard to to be in that position uh for someone to lie you know to, to make that kind of you know again it's not sexual uh, harassment i mean no i, think I mean that was straight up a rape allegation yeah yeah and then a second rape allegation which yeah again and, and that woman actually uh involved uh former nba star cory mcgetty into those allegations so She's she's really digging deep here. I, I hope that, uh, you know, between, you know, because everybody's been saying, believe the victim, believe the victim. Spike, you should have saw the day when I had the nerve to say, well, what's up with this guy, uh, uh, Jesse, out in Chicago? I'm like, so wait a minute. It was some, oh, some the, white the, guys with mega hats on at 2 a.m.? <laughs> 2 a.m. in Chicago on the south side. That it just doesn't sound right. It just doesn't sound right. And I kept I kept telling people, Let's wait to get some more information. I've learned now over the years that oh yeah, yeah you have to wait. That I, I I'll get worked up on the issue. Like I, I stopped doing that because I realized all right now this you know my father was shot in the line of duty, so I practice in my mind. I've trained not to go crazy every time there's a police shooting. I get that right, one. but like certain stuff, even with this Donald Trump stuff, like I knew that day I was like, mm, now if that really happened, that's bad, but. I, you know, knowing that area, I, I talked to people like, and they, and no videotapes, he wouldn't give up his phone. I'm like, mm, doesn't and they, sound right. And, 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 and these Donald Trump followers who are so racist and, and sexist that they're walking around with a bottle of bleach and a noose, which wouldn't a stand noose. out at all in Southside Chicago for two white people early at, at 2 a.m. in the morning, morning. Two in the morning. You know. with a noose that's definitely and a MAGA hat but 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 at the same time they were able to spot one of the stars of empire that like I mean so go figure like I said I, I think that uh unfortunately you can uh, you can you can put Trump's name and stuff with the media and everybody else and it gets more clicks oh, and they jump website. all over it. yeah yeah you know it gets yeah. all the things that people want and uh you know, the media has helped build Donald Trump to who he is. I mean, they, you know, <laughs> good or bad, uh, you know, Fox News has built him up one way, but MSNBC has built him up another way. But Oh, absolutely. CNN has built him up another way. But Washington all Post and all of them. Yeah. Yeah, they've yep. all built him up. And so uh, they, they need him. They need him to do stuff. They need him to tweet. They need to have all these people come on. They can keep these ratings up. I mean, I don't think anyone, people have to be honest. No one has watched this much news since uh, Donald Trump has come in office. I mean, he has definitely made uh, the news must-see TV <laughs> uh, reality <laughs> style. TV. Uh, I mean, you just never know what's going to happen. And I mean, I think that, uh, you know, even with this Russia investigation, I think that, you know, as today they just got, you know, closer with Paul Manafort, 
I just don't see that, that there was uh, collusion on campaign stuff. Uh, I think it was pre- it's fairly obvious that he might have had some real estate business that he was trying to get accomplished over in Russia uh, up until the very probably end. He, I don't think he thought he was going to win as president, to be quite honest. And so uh, he never stopped doing his real estate business. And, you know, I think that that's something that uh, people, you know, that, you know, he's got to do. Was it illegal? No. Was it unethical? Yeah, it could have been a, a little bit unethical. But there's a, there's a big difference between unethical and illegal. And I don't think that. I don't think that someone who worked on his campaign and saw how the, the Trump folks worked, I don't think that Russians were working with them, too, to ensure him victory. I just don't think that that was that's that's the scenario. Well, and then there's was something illegal done. And then the next threshold is, are you going to get a two thirds Senate majority and House majority to vote to impeach and then convict him on it when the Republicans are in charge? Or even if the Democrats are in charge, it, 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 I, I don't. You know, a lot I of think Democrats that, that realize that they have to treat uh, Trump a certain way. If they're in Arkansas, if they're in, uh, right. you know, certain states, you know, Alabama, I guarantee you the the, the senator that beat uh, that Roy Moore guy, I guarantee he's not out here banging the drums for impeachment. No, Doug Jones stuff. isn't going to. No, no, because it's no. listen. It, it, no one has ever been. Con- no president has ever been convicted. In, in, in an impeachment. They've never been charged with a crime, and a lot of them have done some really bad stuff. And and if, yeah. if, if Trump did, then he did too. I don't see a president being prosecuted for anything. I think people who think that's going to happen... And Mueller, and Mueller knows that. I think that Mueller knows his best case scenario is to put out a report that can somehow make him look bad, but he's not going to indict the president. Now, you know, his son and son-in-law and all those people, they, they're not... Uh, immune from that, but if they haven't he done it, you can pardon more, them. Yeah, yeah. He's if, if, the, if the worst thing they've done is lie to Congress or lie during the investigation, uh, it's just not that's not enough that they're going to be able to show collusion. Uh, and I, again, I think the worst thing he might have been trying to do was maybe do a real estate deal. Uh, that you know, that now we'll find out if that compromised him any more moving forward, but I don't think right, so. Right. I think that. I think that even Putin has to recognize that Trump is his own man. He's gonna he might have played him for that deal, but Trump would play him right back. And one thing Trump will not allow anyone to do, uh, in my opinion, because of his egos, he's not gonna let people make him look bad. So as much as <laughs> you know above much, all else, right. Yeah, above all else. I don't care what deal he had with Putin, I don't care what happened. If 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 any way he feels that Putin is uh making him look bad, then Putin becomes the enemy just like everybody else does in his world. So I, right, I just, right. I've never believed in this thing where all oh, Putin's got something on him. If he's got something on him after what I believe is that is nothing that can make Trump supporters leave Trump anyway. That's uh, the, that's the whole thing. And especially if, so we got, I, 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 I sidetracked this. I sidetracked this a little with the, um, with the, with the Michael Jackson thing, but Cory Booker gets thrown what I thought was a pretty big softball about, you know, Ralph Northam and the blackface and, you know, how, how, how do we address that? And he starts giving this answer about, we need to understand where white people are coming from on blackface. And I'm like, (laughs) that's a man trying to get elected to be president. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, like, but, but do you not know what the electorate of the democratic party for the primary looks like? It doesn't look like people that want to talk to white people about what they think about blackface and, and including the white ones. Like, I mean, this, I, listen, I'm not even a the most vanilla, non-controversial answer 
the most non-offensive answer that he can give everyone, which is, you know, maybe we ought to think about what the white guy is doing with the black face, know the history of it, yada, yada, yada. And he, he's going to be like, hey, I had white friends. And, I mean, he's he's a real politician from the old school of, of you know, I don't want to offend anybody because everyone could vote. I was waiting for him to say, well, you know, the Waynes brothers did white chicks. Like, I was just waiting for him to go full, like, pander he on it. He might, he he might take that line at some point. But the, but see then, as quickly as we're saying he had the, the, the moxie to pull that off, what does he do? For Fairfax, hey, brother, you need to resign. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, we, we can talk about Northam and figure out why he's – Chew, you need to resign. You got to so, go down, yeah. On, on an allegation just, that that is unproven, as opposed to Northam, who basically admitted that he either dressed in a clown outfit, clan outfit, or in and yeah. not Michael Jackson. He didn't. It's one. So you and I may disagree with this. If I see a white person that's dressed up as their favorite black celebrity, I can see why some people would get offended by that. But I personally don't believe that is blackface, right? So, but what Northam was dressed up in was like. If he did, if he wasn't the clan guy, he was on some nice. He was yeah, it's, it's straw hat and the and the plaid pants like slave outfit with black like shoe polish black and the and the red lips and I think he had the white gloves like you were in black. Someone was in blackface That's and for, and black. so yeah, I mean if, if you're, you're trying to dress like, up as Prince or Michael Jackson, I could see that that you know I, I I would advise my white friends not to do don't that. Don't do now, it. Yeah, don't do it. But I can. <laughs> It's not well, smart. Say, it's not smart, know. and I could see why someone would get offended. But it's not. Maybe it's not true blackface. Go with light skin, Michael. Don't do nineteen seventies, <laughs> Michael. Do nineteen nineties, two thousand, Michael. You might be okay. <laughs> Michael gave all white people an out to just be like, "Well, I'm light skin, Michael." And it's like, oh, yeah. I mean, go with that one, I, I would advise all my white friends that are listening tonight: just don't do it. Just you know, where if you want to do an athlete, wear the jersey. Wear the shoes, but don't 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 decorate your face. You can be no. Sa- you can be Sammy Sosa now. You can be the you can be late twenty ten Sammy Sosa. But you got to be careful, my my pa- my fellow patriots out here. You'll be in some real trouble with blackface. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. So I want to end on uh, before I give you a chance to give your final thoughts. I just want to ask you. Um, your thoughts on Trump? I know you were not a, a, an initial Trump supporter. I know that you are are not even now a dyed in the wool Trump supporter. He is he's the you know he's the I guess the the horse you rode in on or whatever. How would you <laughs> how would you grade him overall? If and and it doesn't have to be like you know an A through F grade. But how would you say overall you would? How did you think he would do? And how has he done compared to that? Um, I think that. I'll give him like a B, maybe okay. B minus. Uh, I think that uh, he's he's he has delivered on some of the things that you know the criminal justice reform. I, I'll give him a B. Let me go yeah, B B minus somewhere in there. He's delivered on some of the things. Uh, you know, he got the tax reform bill done, which I think you know that included the opportunity zones for urban cities across America, which he doesn't talk anything about. That's why I would give him a B minus because some of the good stuff he does, he doesn't spike the football enough. Uh, and then, you know, like with this wall situation, which I have no problem with the wall. I just think that if we're going to keep him to part of the promise, we should keep him to the whole promise, which is Mexico yeah. is going back for it. Uh, or they should have a, a, an investment in this wall, to, you know. And I've always right. said there's a way we can make Mexico pay for this wall. Like if he has the stomach to do it, which is every dollar they they Western Union over and wire over back to Mexico, 
give us a couple cents. Give us a couple pennies. You know? Or even sub- or even subtract it from four and eight. I mean, they, they get massive amounts of four and eight. That was what I didn't get. So how easy would it be to say, okay, Mexico gets this much U.S. aid a year. We're going to subtract this much from it for 10 to 15 the, years until it's paid. Course, 20 years, yeah. And you can spike they, the football and say Mexico paid for it. They didn't pay for it, but you can at least make it look like they paid for it. I, like, I like Ted Cruz's idea of taking El Chapo's money. That That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, He's look, not be creative. And I, that's what I brought. I thought Trump was going to do. I thought Trump would be creative. Uh, I hope that he doesn't do the national emergency because I think that that opens up the door, you know, for some liberal uh, president down the road to do the same thing on something he couldn't get done in Congress. So, uh, right. you know, for certain executive orders and stuff like that. Now, if he wants to try to shift around some money. You know, like I said, I have faith that he's creative. So I give him about a B, B minus. I think that uh, there's certain ways that his messaging and because he's appealing so much to his base that he doesn't realize that if he chilled out just a little bit, he could probably get a bigger swath of people. Um, I think there's a lot of, uh, in particular, black men. We're now the forgotten swath of voters out here because black women have become the more, what I would say, vocal and down. If you look at the elected officials and whatnot, right, uh, right. black are you know and kudos to that but i think black men uh you know we can still identify with trump's machismo and things that he does and we don't have to like you to to say you're getting the job done i mean that kind of goes along with your your job as long as my paycheck is there on friday right right right. i don't have to like you we don't have to be friends and trump is a transactional president he does things based on transaction i think that if he could figure out a way uh to get more black men on board with a simple, some simple things. I think he would do it. I just don't know if right now, uh, you know, he's such in a, a thing about keeping his base uh, to, you know, all a hundred percent on board. Like with this wall, he let the last time he let rush Limbaugh and, 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 uh, what's Hannity the woman? and Coulter and all of them. Yeah. And Coulter and all of them uh, talk about it. Just, you know, doing the deal. Then it wasn't going to be a the, the deal is essentially the same thing now. So, his supporters don't has, give up. He has, he has to stop listening to them. He has to realize that he's bigger than Sean Hannity and Rush Limbaugh. Those guys, will, his Trump supporters will still vote for him. If he came back tomorrow and said, you know what? I did everything I could to get this wall done, but this is what we're going to be able to do. This is our border security, whatever. Most right. Trump guys are sticking with him. You know, It's only those hardcore if, if I kept saying, if the only reason you voted for him was to get the wall, then you probably would be a little disappointed because, you know, we're talking about eminent domain. Republicans right. don't like government taking over people's land. There's just a lot right. of other things that go along with the uh, think that Trump just has to learn how to, you know, he has to massage some of these folks a little bit better. But I think he's I give him a B. I think he's done pretty good. Fair enough. Donald Trump could, I think completely go 180 on every single policy position he has and 60 percent of his supporters would stick with him that's my opinion i think that a lot of them are just with him for the ride i think 80 percent. i mean i can say there might be 20 percent of the people that literally voted for him to build a wall like they they want this wall up to show that these folks in this region are not welcome in our country unless they do it the right way that was what you come on okay then i get it but most, I think, most reasonable Americans once they realize it, uh, even with immigration, there are economic benefits. That's why Texas is so profitable. I mean, you know, let's let's just be honest. They 
they have benefited off the backs of uh, the immigration problem for a long time. So, I mean, uh, we just had to figure out a way where we're not rewarding people for breaking the law. Uh, and, and for the people that have been here, like dreamers, I thought that that's what he should have did. I was thinking about possible scenarios. Mike, what did, give me your idea on this. Either he offers the dreamers for the wall. I thought he was going to offer amnesty for dreamers in exchange for funding for the wall. Because for Democrats, that's an easy one. $5 billion for the wall is nothing in terms of what the wall is going to cost. It's a couple hundred miles, if that, right? Dreamers permanent amnesty is like, that's a permanent thing. They're here for good. They can eventually become citizens and everything else. I thought he was going to do that. What scares me is that he's going to push some like, because he's in favor of, he isn't totally against gun control and neither is the NRA. There are a few things, few versions of gun control. The NRA is, and I know you can't say that, but um, the, uh, I said, it. Wayne did not say that. I said it. Um, and uh, I'm so scared that they're going to be like, well, how about we do this, you know, assault weapons ban in exchange for the wall. And I think he'd jump all over it. So that scares me too. My idea. Yeah, or he, he might make a deal. This is what I think the doomsday scenario for a lot of conservatives should be worried about is that he would be willing to replace uh, RBG with Obama's pick, Garland, oh, whatever his name was. Oh, like, Mary Gar- be, Merrick Garland? He would make a deal like, I, I will give you someone that you can approve of for this next Supreme Court justice if you give me my wall. Trump has no, his baseline is with, as long as I can say I won. As, as long as he can say he made a deal, exactly. That's what scares me about him because I'm yeah, like... A little, a little scary, but I think he does, you know... Or not go that far. I think that's where the Rush Limbaugh's and Ann Coles was a go. But kinda, I, I think the biggest back problem, in, yeah. should have gave them, I, I would have been okay with the Dreamers because they've already been here. These are people that live here. I would have been okay with that. I think that Stephen Miller, who I've always said, I suspect some Latin dude took his babe in high school. This guy is, he <laughs> does not hair. like, yeah, he does not like uh, the idea that he's the one that deep sixed it last time. So, right. Uh, you know, Trump have a set core of values. He knows about wins and losses. Right, and that's, right, right. I think that's what you have to look at it at. And yeah, there are some risks in thinking like that because he could give away something that might be important to conservatives, but it's not important to him. He didn't give uh, but a crap he had, about yeah, it. He has, he has a good pulse on, on that. And I think that the, the one he knows what are important to, to his base. And a big part of that has been. Uh, this wall, tough immigration stands, is, you know, this kind of thing. But, uh, you know, I'm an old, I feel like saying I'm an old school Republican. I'm guessing, you know, I'm a little neo conish on some of these issues, but uh, he, he doesn't have any of those, you know, those values. He's just about wins. And if he can get wins, I think that, you know, he, he will cut some deals that maybe some conservatives might not be too, you know, comfortable with. But Right, right. Uh, I think even those conservatives know, though, that Trump is more popular than them. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, he can go on Twitter and dog out some. I mean, that's why Paul Ryan and them never they were scared of him because they, he he had the social he can media. destroy them. Yeah, he can. destroy yeah. them. He can destroy them with an audience that 70, 80 percent have never even heard of them. So their only exposure to, and Ted Cruz learned this. All of these people learn the first bit of exposure that these people are getting to their names is Donald Trump trashing the crap out of them for days on end. And that yeah. sticks with people. And so, little, so Lion Ted Cruz, Lion Ted Cruz, little Marco <laughs> crooked Hillary. Listen, people even knew who Hillary was and he still smashed her. So, I mean, it is what it is, but 
my thing that I, I will say, I, I don't have use for Trump or really any politician in general, but the thing I like about Trump as an anarchist is that, so we have this idea of government being something bigger than just a bunch of people in buildings telling us what to do. We, we look at these flags and we look at these monuments and we look at these, it's like, a, it's almost like a religion. We look at these big religious icons and these, and these pledges and anthems and it becomes something bigger than itself. It's like this, almost like this higher authority that we look at that, you know, that, that, that will say, well, you don't have to respect the person, but you have to respect the dignity of the office and think it's like how you would talk about a pastor. And then Donald Trump is standing in there with a big smile on his face, this orange spray tan, and, you know, uh, uh, a bunch of McDonald's, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, my favorite picture in American government White House history is Donald Trump sitting there with a big smile on his face and his arms out and all these, like, you know, Big Macs and chicken nuggets out on the, it's like he has completely eliminated any pretense of the idea that, you know, there's this noble thing about government. It's just a bunch of people who are, robbing us and telling us what to do and he's that i appreciate about him i also appreciate that he has single-handedly stopped this idea that oh you can't say that it's offensive i I can say whatever i want when i came into the party when i started working for the party in 2013 2014 uh they they checked my profiles on my twitter social media making sure i didn't say anything that was too out of line uh when i was working for the party I was constantly being, you know, reprimanded of be careful what you say online. You know, you represent us. And by the time <laughs> Trump was elected, <laughs> Donald I, Trump comes along. He, by the time he was elected, I, I will say that he he freed me to be the man that I wanted to be on social media because <laughs> you know we were a reflection of our president. We can say the outlandish stuff. I mean, he would post things that I wouldn't want to post right on of his own account. And so I, I I appreciate that. I appreciate that he's um that he he does things out of the norm that you know like when i heard all the the military guys that were so mad at him for wanting to pull out all these different wars i'm like you know what that's been they've been doing this for 30 years but it's been their job to keep us in wars of course they had disagreed with with donald trump and so of course of course that's you know that's like a scientist that doesn't agree with your 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 methods he doesn't they they want to continue this it's big business uh, they they're like, what are we doing all this training for if we're not going to use it on somebody? Exactly, exactly, exactly. We got to test out these guns. We got to test out this equipment. How long does this food really last in the desert? We won't right. know until we try it. And so, uh, you know, I, I appreciate the fact he's just broke the norms. I, I I'm interested to see over uh, this next generation of politicians how that works. Now you see everybody, you know, <laughs> drinking beers on their Instagram, <laughs> at home and. You know, so they're trying to be relatable when Trump, his lifestyle as a billionaire wasn't relatable. We had seen it already, but his his he's relatable in the fact that I do believe that when he worked at Trump Towers or when he was watching construction projects, that he was probably just as comfortable with the guys on the ground in construction hats, cussing, talking about women. I, I believe that that was Trump's personality. And so yeah, he's not, he made, doesn't seem uncomfortable with anyone. No, no. When I met him, I honestly, I remember saying like, dang, I actually felt like this guy was listening to me. Like it was right. when I met, uh, I honestly felt like, you know, the brief two minutes we might have talked. And I'm like, you know, he's at least listening because I've met a lot of politicians right. look at me right in my face. And I know that they weren't listening to me. You know, right. They're I, just I, looking right, right through you. Yeah. There's definitely been some guys that, uh, you know, and of course, sometimes they're in the habit of shaking hands and just keeping it moving. But right, uh, right, right. I, I felt like he and so that he has a personal skill that 
uh, a lot of politicians, uh, what I call lifetimers, they don't have because they've been taught not to say this, not to think this way, not to give out an answer that will offend people. And so, uh, you know, it's just a different world out here. Right. So we're wrapping up. And like I said, just give give the legalized grenade launchers a chance. Just, you know, I know you're scared. I appreciate you saying you're scared. Just give with that you know flamethrowers grenade you know i don't like restricting people's uh instruments to protect themselves you know yep. uh, if, if if we had made them illegal you best believe criminals have them anyway so oh, of course exactly know, so you have to be able to fight the criminals with your own grenade launchers against their grenade launchers this is a, a, an all, arms race you know there's no point of that <laughs> but, you know we got to be careful with the you know these these the heroin and the meth and stuff yet because they're making <laughs> home now you know that's that's half the problem is that you know we don't know that's the problem they're, they're making this stuff at home but um yeah it's you know we gotta we gotta have a little 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 government uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna get you i'm gonna get you but we, it's, we just went like you said just try a small town where we legalize everything we'll see how it works out like five-year plan but so uh wayne thank you so much for what's up <laughs> we need them to pave some roads that's all we want the government to do my basic thing is pave my roads uh, and, and keep our borders. And I mean, when I say borders, I mean our oceanside borders too, you know, keep us safe, man. That's, that's about it. You know, but see, if you Don't got a grenade a- launcher, you can keep it safe yourself. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, just give it, a, give it, just give it some time, sleep on it. And then we'll talk about it later. So Wayne, I, I appreciate you coming on. I want to give you a chance before we go to, uh, any final thoughts you have, anything you didn't get a chance to say, any, any of your stuff you want to plug, um, anything you want to talk about, uh, Wayne Bradley, the floor is yours. All right. Well, thank you, um, Spike, again, for just having me on the show. Um, I, you know, I didn't talk. I just want if anybody wants to is interested in listening to my radio show, my podcast, uh, you can go my my favorite site where everything's at is conservativebro.com. I didn't give you that one earlier. Conservativebro.com. Oh. Radio show. Uh, I'm on iTunes or I was a podcast on on iTunes and I'm also on SoundCloud. So, uh, you know, I have a lot of interesting content on there. And uh, if you're always welcome to go check that out. And uh, I, like I said, just keep keep watch, keep your eye on everybody in terms of this government and our elected officials. You know, I know everybody loves, you know, in our world, you know, people are maybe 50 50 on Trump. But I think you just got to keep an eye on everyone. Keep them honest. Uh, you know, what I've done is in, been able to, you know, if I see something bad, just say you don't like it doesn't mean, you know, you know, I, I wish it was a way you could communicate that you don't have to agree with everything Trump says or does and still be a Trump supporter. I'm a Trump supporter, but, you know, I don't, you know, even with your own family, you know, you can't agree with everything that a person does. And so I just think that uh, we need to, you know, as a Republican Party, we should probably do a little bit more of that to think of the long term health of the party. But uh, that that's 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 what I'm going to leave people with. It's OK to disagree a little bit. Let's just keep it respectful. And uh, actually have the conversation which you disagree about instead of just telling the obvious that you might disagree with someone. Fair enough. Fair enough. And I will add conservativebro.com to the show notes after we're off. Um, so, um, Wayne, thank you so much for coming on. I hope to, to have you on again in the near future uh, if you had a good time. Um, and just stick around with me because I'm going to talk with you during the outro. Um, but thank you again for coming. Guys, thank you so much for watching this pre-Valentine, this Valentine's Night Eve episode of... Uh, of uh, exactly so thank you for tuning in for this episode of my fellow americans uh check us out tomorrow night valentine's day night uh thursday night will be 
the writer's block. Matt Wright will have Jason Lyon on. They have some big news for you, so be sure to check that out. Uh, the writer's block uh, on Friday. Happy Side Chick Valentine's Day. Um, have a great weekend. Wayne didn't say that. I did. And uh, and then on, uh, on Tuesday, uh, be sure to tune back in next week for the Mighty Wires of Freedom where Matt Wright and I will parse through the, uh, the week's news. Uh, and then uh, check me out again uh, this next Wednesday on My Fellow Americans while I will have Christopher Harris of Unhyphenated America, Unhyphenated America on. Uh, I, this is my show. And so for Black History Month so far, I've had nothing but black conservatives on because this is my show and I can do whatever I want. So uh, thank you. Park. What's that? You're not the park with those I'm guests. D- I'm hitting on all cylinders. I'm happy. I'm happy. So guys, thank you again for tuning in. Uh, we will see you soon. And God bless you. Thank you.